tuned into the podcast that is effing weird i'm one of your hosts alex this is ro i'm leo and i'm tristan today's topic is one of many controversy and mystery you may know it as fire in the sky the travis walton ufo incident or simply the one forest worker dude who got abducted in the 70s so before we actually get into it i want to ask ro leo and tristan have any of you heard of this alien abduction story. I haven't. I have, but I don't know much about it. I've, I've heard you talk a lot about it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, Ro, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to get an earful and everything like that. I will, I will stop periodically to try to answer any questions. Leo, you said you knew kind of a little bit about it. So hopefully I, I shed some more light on that. And then, yeah, Tristan, I've, I've talked your ear off about this story before. Um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into this this uh, specific alien abduction. Um, first off, it was a movie and a book. the The book and the movie are very similar up until the point where he wakes up from his actual abduction. So, I will talk that piece as far as the events leading up to the actual abduction. And then we will go into the book version first of, you know what? No, we'll go into the movie one. No, 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 no. Let's go into the book one first. Sorry, because the book one isn't as exciting or cool. I'm just a spoiler right now as the movie. There's reasons behind that. I'll get into that too. Um, another aspect that we'll hit is the, uh, the lie detector, which is a big part of this. And then also some of the conspiracy around it and why maybe a lot of people don't believe Travis Walton. Um, if you know kind of anything about the story, uh, it is, like I said, it has a lot of controversy just because of what had happened and the story. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, but before we get into it, are there any questions that any of you might have? Alex, I'm just... Nope. Wanting to hear from you. <laughs> All right. Tristan, do you have anything? Um, not right now, man. Okay. All right. So we'll get, we'll get right into it then. All right. So on November 5th, 1975, uh, Travis Walton uh, was a forest worker that was working in Arizona. And they were working in the National Forest near Snowflake. Uh, the, the crew that he was with, there was six people with him. It was Michael Rogers. John Goulet, Alan Dallas, Stephen Pierce, Kenneth Peterson, and Dwayne Smith. And Travis Walton would be the seventh person. So um, just a little, little bit right there. In the movie, there are only five. That was just for budget reasons. But in the book, the actual events that took place, there were six people that actually witnessed Travis Walton's abduction. So early on in the morning, um, on November 5th, him and his crew went up to the national forest and what they were hired to do was to cut down trees. Now the, it may not seem like it's that important to the story or anything like that, but the, the area that they were going to the road wasn't very, it was not a smooth path. 
and everything. Um, it was, you know, just a backwoods dirt road, not traveled very often. Um, but that's where they had to go to work. So that's what they did for the majority of the day. Now, again, nothing really happened out of the ordinary uh, throughout that day until it came to the nighttime. So they worked all day cutting down trees. Um, you know, when the when it was starting to get a little bit closer to you know the nighttime, the sun was still out. Uh, but they started packing everything up, and when they actually got into the truck, they only went up there with one vehicle. Um, the sun was just getting down below the horizon. So they they load up into the truck, and they start going down the mountain that they were at, or the area that they were at. Um, and everyone was pretty, you know, pretty wiped from working such a long day, cutting down trees, all that stuff. And Travis, who was, I believe, in the front seat of the truck, he noticed a a light um, outside the the passenger window, and he had remembered that the um, the sun had just gone down, so that light didn't make sense. Now he was thinking that it could be uh, a fire, or maybe some other crew was up there. Their lights were on, but the color of the that he was seen didn't really match headlights. Um, the, the movie does a really good job with like visual, like, you know, telling what he actually saw. Um, it did, it, hence the name like fire in the sky, but it did look like the sun or it was, it was red. Um, so he, he sees this and no one else does for, for a minute. And then he starts, you know, saying like, Oh, Hey, does, does everyone else see, what I'm actually seeing and they keep going. They, they all kind of talks amongst themselves too. like, Hey, what could it be? They drive a little bit further and then they get into an opening to where this ball of, I shouldn't say a ball, but it, it kind of is a sphere of, of light. So they get to this, this point, they stop the truck and no one really knows what to do or say, because they can't believe what they're actually seeing because what is, I guess, just above the tree line or about the halfway mark is a spherical shape. Um, I believe he said that it was like bronze in color. It was smooth, um, but they're all seeing what is a UFO. So wow, what does Travis do? Travis gets out of the car. Now, everyone is telling him, hey, what are you doing? Get back in the vehicle. Like you they're, like everyone is arguing, you know, a lot is going on and uh, he keeps walking towards this light or not the light, but the actual the UFO. And he gets to the point where he's I wouldn't say he's directly under it. Um, I forgot where in conjunction to where the UFO is. I don't remember where he was standing, but he was pretty close to the actual object um, before a beam of light essentially hits him and sends him flying back and he he lands on you know lands on his stomach or not his stomach but he lands on his back or whatever and he isn't moving everyone in the truck is is freaking out they're not sure what they want to do 
Um, one of them, I don't remember who it's who it says it, but they're like, "Hey, he's dead. Let's go." So, <laughs> good friends here, right? They leave him. They they drive away and they leave Travis Walton on the ground of where the uh, UFO just hit that hit him with that beam of light. The crew again goes driving down the uh, the mountain, everything, um, and they're driving pretty fast. And they're screaming at each other, and they're not sure, you know, what to do. They're arguing, and they get, I want to say, a mile down the trail before the driver actually stops, and they discuss about like what just happened, what they need to do. I think the the truck was split half and half as far as we need to go back, or we need to keep going and get the sheriff, everything. Uh, they ended up eventually all agreeing to go back. So they turn the truck around. They go back to where they thought the UFO was and where Travis got hit. And both the UFO and Travis were gone. Uh, I'm going to stop right there. Is Does anyone have any questions or want to throw anything in? Uh, well, not a question. I just want to say that I don't blame his friends for running away. <laughs> You know, like that, that is like, I don't know how I would react in that sort of situation. Like I want to, I want to say like, yeah, I would have run away too. Or like I would have stuck around for my friend, but I, I don't think, I think that happens in a lot of situations where you're not, you don't know what you're going to do until you actually are thrown into that. So you bring up a good point, Ro. They were all still in the truck during all that, right? Yes. No one got outside the truck except for Travis. Now when they, what's up? Well, I was thinking in my head, I was just like, well, there are six of them. So how does not one of them insist on staying there and helping him? Because out of six people, you'd assume at least one of them would have that reaction. But I mean, if they're still in the truck, it only takes the guy who's driving to make that decision. And I think that might have been it. I think the driver didn't want to stick around and he took off before maybe one of the other the crew members wanted to like get out and see if he was OK. So... Yeah, that, that's got to be a hell of a conversation. Like they're driving back and it's just like half of them are just like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing is like, you'd feel kind of bad if you were the one who's like, no, let's leave them. And then you have people being like, no, we got to go help. So yeah, it's a very, very weird situation, but they did. And they did get out of the truck, uh, like when they were looking for them on the way back uh, or when they did go back and look for them, they did get out of the truck then, but something I want to bring up too is that this was in the middle of the night. So did they actually go to the correct location? I don't know. Um, so that's another thing. They might've not gone to the right location, but apparently he was abducted. So even if they did go to the right location, he was gone. I think I would have been Travis and having like a morbid curiosity of like, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) Leo, get in the truck. You're crazy. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I think I would have stayed in the truck, especially because, like, I know the book goes into more detail. Like, if again, if you're listening to this, the book, Travis is the one who actually wrote it. So he really depicts everything pretty well as far as, like, where everything was. He gives, like, measurements, like, describes everything perfectly, which I find kind of weird. But anyways, I think staying in the truck would have been sufficient for me. Just saying. Maybe at first. I, I think, like, how long did they wait in the truck before he got out? Did they just, like, pull up and he just, like, got out? Oh. No, I think they were all sitting there for, again, I I would have to look at, like, in the actual 
thing in the book of how long he was actually staying in there, but I don't think it was very long. I th- I want to say at most it was like anywhere from like three to five minutes because it was, it was just sitting there glowing. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And then, you know, he finally decided to get out of the truck. I wouldn't assume that they were sitting there for like a half hour before he's like, all right, now I'm going to get out. Cause I'm sure they would have driven away. Yeah. So I don't think they were sitting there for very long before he decided to get out. All right. Continuing. So they look for him. They can't find him. They go down to the, uh, they go back down to the town where they're actually, I think it was snow. So yeah, they go into snowflake and they, I forgot which, I think it was a bar, but they call the sheriff sheriff questions them, you know, like gets everyone's story. Um, now this was a big thing too, is because they knew that them saying that he had gotten abducted by an alien or like a spacecraft. No one was going to believe him. So they were very hesitant at first to even bring this up or even talk with anybody. But again, almost like them going back for Travis, they eventually were like, yes, we need to call the police. We need to tell them exactly what happened. So they did. Nobody in the town believed them. Um, Rightfully so. I mean, it was this was 1975. Um, the UFO, like, like hype and everything like that kind of was on its downslope and everything. Cause like back in like the, I think it was like the forties, fifties, there was like a huge spike in it, but then it kind of, kind of dipped off a little bit. Uh, but they didn't, this was, again, this was a very small town. So long story short, everyone in the town thought that this crew had murdered Travis Walton and rightfully so, because one of the, one of the workers that went up that day, was someone who had been to prison or I think jail before he was, you know, wasn't a very good dude. So they thought, Hey, maybe something had happened. They got into an argument, yada, yada. So again, townspeople thought they had murdered him. They went up the very next day looking for him. Um, they couldn't find him. search parties, everything like that. Uh, I think it was, they spent, a few days because again he he was not missing for very long but they spent a few days searching with scent dogs and helicopters and everything like that now this is where the the this is where like the stories kind of part ways where we will get into um the book version of what happened when travis walton woke up and then we'll get into the movie version um, let's see here. So in the book version, uh, this is coming from Travis Walton. So the first thing he remembered when he, he woke up was, uh, being struck by a bluish light in the woods. And then he thought that he had woken up in a hospital because he was laying on a, a table and there was a light above him. Um, he, he remembers like it being a very kind of muggy, almost like when you take a nap midday and you're just kind of groggy and you're just like, well, where am I and everything. So it's, that's the kind of feeling that he had, uh, waking up. And when he opened his eyes, opened his eyes and was looking around, he saw three figures standing around him and he thought that they were doctors. But the thing that kind of gave it away was that they were wearing orange garments. So when his vision actually cleared, he noticed that they were not humans. Um, 
Another thing that gave it a kind of a way that they weren't human was that they were less than five feet tall, having large black eyes, large heads, and small facial features such as nostrils and ears. So after, you know, seeing all of that, he then realized, I'm not in the hospital. And what he did next, I find kind of kind of weird because I don't know if I would do this in that sort of situation. Again, I... You, you never know until you're there. We really had brought that up. Um, but he was frightened and he jumped off the table and supposedly he started attacking one of the creatures or one of the, uh, the doctors or whatever that were in the room. And they tried grabbing at him and like, you know, trying to seduce him or whatever. But he grabbed a near an object near him to try to fend him off. And he was able to um he was able to like keep them away and then I, th- this is where it's kind of weird but he was able to keep them away he was saying like you know like get back and then they just kind of left the room which is very which is very weird so he the aliens left the room he's he's panicking now he doesn't know like what's going on um, the room around him, like there's not much in it. Um, it looks very odd to him. So he, he leaves is again, this is the whole book version. Like the things that he says that he did is just, they're all very odd, but he leaves the room through the same way that those, the, the creatures did. And he's going down this, this hallway and he's passing like a few rooms and then he sees one with a single chair in the center of the room. And he goes over there and he thinks that there might be one of those creatures in that chair. So he still has that object, but he's ready to, you know, fend him off or whatever. Goes around the chair. There's nothing there. So he sits down in it and there's a, I I don't know if it's like a levers or a table or, or whatever, but there's a panel and he starts messing around with the the panel <laughs> and he sees stars moving all around him it's very, i don't know it's very weird but he he sees yeah again all these stars moving around him as if he's moving the this vehicle um so he stops doing that obviously and he gets out from the chair and in the doorway of the room that he was just in, there was a tall human, which he says, wearing a blue suit, a thick belt, and some sort of kind of like helmet uh, with a glass face. I don't know what he really means by that, a glass face. Um, but before we go any further, up into that point, what do you guys think about his, like, his encounter or him waking up? So he left from the same door that these orange dudes walked out of. And then he just walked into an empty room which had a chair and just decided to sit on it instead of trying to find a way to escape. Yeah. And that's and that that's why this is like such a weird story and like why he gets so much heat, I think, is because 
it's one of those things almost like, okay, so why, why would you just go into a, a random room with a chair in it and start messing around with levers? Like, why would you not try to find like the exit? Or if you thought you were in a hospital, why would you not try to like find the flight of stairs or like a door to get out? Um, but again, the surrounding environment, um, I'm not sure what it looked like. I'm sure like it looked completely different if it actually did happen than an actual hospital. So maybe he was like, I don't know what to do. So, but yes, that's yes, bro. That is exactly what he is saying. That's weird. That's why, <laughs> yeah, that's, why that's why it's on the show. That's effing weird. <laughs> <laughs> Leo and Tristan, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's a really crazy story. I mean, I I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. I don't know if I will go straight to attacking, but I would definitely have some questions. I try to communicate. I think that's I think that's the thing too is that he he went straight from like noticing that they're not, I I don't know. Like did he it doesn't say that he knew that they were they were aliens or like some something. And I don't know why he would just want to attack them because it doesn't say that they were like, you know, poking at them or like they were chaining them down or like, eh, you know, like I don't think they were <laughs> doing anything like that. Um, so I don't know why he decided to attack them because maybe they were just be like, Hey, we just want to take some fingerprints, you know, like talk Harvest to a few you. organs, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just your heart, nothing major. Have you, um, have you seen that South Park episode where it's uh, making fun of Russell Crowe going around fighting things? Yes. It's yes. Like fighting around the world. <laughs> I, pers- I just, I get it in my head that maybe he just wanted to fight everything. Like that's why he got out of the car because he was going to go fight the ball of light and then it struck him. Then he wakes up in an alien ship and his first instinct is to go start fighting the aliens. And then he goes into a random room and he sees a bunch of controls and he can't figure out how to fight it. So he just starts pulling levers and stuff. <laughs> He comes off that way, I think. Like he's just <laughs> like every situation, he's just gonna start attacking it. <laughs> I believe it. If you if you were to look at the guy, I don't know if you've seen pictures. His name is Travis Walton again. <laughs> it's a shady looking motherfucker. Yeah, he looks kind of weird, but you know, whatever, I guess. But yeah, again, it's I don't I don't know how I would act in that sort of situation, but I do know that like waking up. I'm not, my first thing is not trying to fight anybody or anything like that. I don't know. Like, I think is almost like, like just trying to communicate like what Leo was saying, like, Hey, hello. I don't know. What's <laughs> up? Like What's going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, dudes? I don't know. So, but continuing on a little bit. So yeah, he, he gets done messing with those controls. He turns around um, or gets out of the chair, and then he sees that tall human in that blue suit, and he starts asking a thousand questions because apparently this this human looks exactly like a human. He doesn't look like the creatures that he had just seen. So he starts asking it questions, but it doesn't. The human or whatever the guy or doesn't say anything back. He all he does is motion for Travis to follow him. I don't know. I I don't know if he was like waving his hand or like he was pointing or whatever, but Travis says that he was motioning to him to follow him. So he did. And 
where he takes them is it's very it's very weird i'll try to describe it the best i can but he takes them back out into the hall or the corridor and then he takes them down this ramp of where he just was so they're walking down the hall it slopes down and it opens up into a huge huge room and there are other like spacecraft things like he had seen before um, in the woods before that light hit him. He sees a bunch of those in a larger room. So he's thinking that this is a hangar of some sort or a bigger ship that he's in. Um, They walk through that and they go to another door that doesn't, well, another entrance that doesn't have a door, but into another room. Um, where there are, I believe, two more human beings, but they aren't wearing helmets or anything like that. They're they're wearing blue suits, I believe. But again, no helmets, no not as much as the other other person is wearing. And they tell him, or not tell him, but they motion for him to sit down on this table. So he does, and again he starts asking them questions. They don't say anything, and he says that they put their hands like on his chest to push him down on the table and he starts freaking out again and he's like no just get your hands off me and they put a what seems to be a gas mask over him over his you know mouth and nose and he starts to go to sleep again the next thing that he remembers is waking up on the side of the highway and the ship is zipping off into space so that is the book version or his encounter of what, you know, happened when he was abducted. And the time that he was abducted was in total five days and six hours that he was missing. And he ended up on the side of a road near Har- Herber, Arizona, um, where he, I believe, walked to a payphone and then called, I think it was his brother and his brother and like all all the crew workers go go to him and find him start asking him questions but he can't really remember everything that exactly happened that that soon so that is again the book version of what happened to travis walton now um after all this was said and done we we go we go forward to 1993 when Paramount wanted to make a movie about this this experience, but um, Paramount got a lot of things different, as you'll see, than what Travis had said. And Travis was pretty disappointed and pretty upset with how the movie turned out. But according to Paramount, his his memory was too fuzzy and too similar to other televised close encounters. So they wanted to spice it up a little bit. And I will get into that as far as how they did that. So let's rewind again. Let's go to the point where um, he gets hit by the light um, and he wakes up Uh, before we get into that. The whole, his whole encounter, his whole thing with being abducted in his version what do you guys think about that so far? Do you, do you believe him? Do you not believe him? Do you think it's kind of hard to hard to say? What are you guys' thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's a big maybe. 
Yeah, I think there's there could be some truth to what he's saying. You know, maybe the aliens were communing telepathically, hence why they didn't actually need to say a word, or maybe they weren't aliens per se, maybe men in costumes. You know, that's just something I'll probably talk about a little later. But yeah. I have heard that, that aliens don't need to like actually talk. They, you know, they telepathically speak to one another. So that might be it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good observation. If it's just people in costumes, that's really, that's really messed up. I don't know why I wouldn't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll elaborate on it. Cause you know, my idea is like, maybe it's like a mix of humans and aliens that are going around picking up people, dropping them off. And maybe they didn't do enough to make him forget the encounters. So, you know, huh. I'm still stuck on him, like being able to get up and walk around and kind of just like do anything. Uh, that still loses me on this story. And then like he fights off the first set and then goes into some random room and then a totally different, like completely unrelated looking alien comes in. And like that one is like, oh, yeah, no, we're totally cool. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. part drives me nuts with this story because it's just it's his reactions are like just not consistent. I said he's fighting the first half, then all of a sudden this human-looking alien comes in and is just like suddenly super cool. Well, and that and that's the thing is like I think it would maybe be a little bit more believable if it was something where the the creatures weren't creatures, but they were humans, but they just weren't talking and they were exactly like if everything was consistent, like if the aliens were or the creatures were all the same, that might have a little bit more like believability to it so according to the zoo hypothesis uh the intelligent extraterrestrial or your alien life exists and uh, it does not contact life on earth to allow for its uh, uh, natural evolution and development the same way we do to animals in zoo or you know sanctuaries and a variation on this zoo hypothesis is the laboratory hypothesis where humanity has been and is being uh, subjected to experiments with uh, Earth or rather our uh, solar system effectively being used as a laboratory for them. And there's a third hypothesis, which is the planetarium hypothesis, which speculates that beings may have or the, this alien uh, aliens or the extraterrestrials may have created this simulation so that the universe appears to be empty of other life. So we are basically living in a simulation of, according to this hypothesis. So I, I think just as the countries of this world have United Nations, um, the extraterrestrial lives might have a galaxy club with a unified <laughs> foreign policy and such. Which Galaxy is why, <laughs> which is why probably Travis might have seen different aliens because they come from different planets. I'm not saying I support him, but I'm, I just wanted to make you guys aware of this hypothesis. That's I really like what you just said there, Ro. Like it's it's almost like the UN where we have like we're you know working together. Where there might be a, I love that too, a Galaxy Club. That might just be the name of the new, that might just be the name of the show now, Galaxy Club. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I've heard about that too, though. It's uh, the Galactic uh, Federation of Light, and then there's like an opposing force to that or another one of that, 
where it's like a culmination of different alien species that are their their aim is to maintain peace in the universe and maybe that does coincide with them checking up on humans since humans are out here blowing each other up and <laughs> being yeah. destructive. So it's like maybe what we're doing here on Earth is affecting them on other planets as well and we just don't know it. And so they're stepping in to try to like, y'all need to settle down, you know, like owners of a pet. <laughs> they get rowdy. My only my only thing is with like what Ro, what you were saying, how like how we don't like interact with or we don't help animals out. But what about like the uh, what's what's the gorilla's name? Oh, I forgot. But they taught it sign language. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. I feel like there are those instances, but there there's never an alien. You never hear abduction stories where it's like they taught me how to speak telepathically. Well, I guess maybe there is because there are those weirdos out there. But like, (laughs) I, I feel like for the most part, it's not an alien abducts a human make like has that human live with them for years and years and years and then drops them back off on earth and being like hey you can you know go Um, live with your humans alex i think they have a very valid point of not communicating with us i mean come on look at us do you think we (laughs) (laughs) we need extra knowledge about aliens i mean we are a mess true how someone is going to use that information you know yeah yeah I don't know. That, that I that's a pretty good. I I do like that you brought that up though. Like I was not aware of that. I I dis, I guess I didn't know what it was called. But I think almost like what you you keep bringing up South Park a lot, Tristan. But I think they do that in South good Park. Good show, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that with a in the South Park episode where, um, it they discover light speed or like us as humans we figure out how to do light speed. Yeah. And it's it's that their ticket or it's humans ticket into like knowledge of the universe. But since we, you know, we messed it up or whatever, we don't get to be a part of it. So that's an interesting theory. It would be pretty, uh, pretty wild if it was like other species of like aliens were just watching us waiting for that day where they're like, all right, they're all they're getting there. It's close. When are they going to find out like how to do something? So we're reality TV for them. <laughs> oh yeah, another yeah. South Park episode. Yeah, another South Park episode. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, one thing I also want to point out with what Ro and Alex were touching on, um, with the gorilla, an interesting point. They're actually not convinced if he actually understood sign language or not, or I think it was a she, or if it was like this weird reward-based thing. Um, like it's a whole thing of like, did it know sign language? Yes, but did it comprehend what it was doing? Uh, they're not fully sure that it was that the, the it actually understood what was happening, and what's interesting is then if you look at like how they're not aliens aren't communicating with us. I mean, what if it's the same thing as like with the gorilla, where like there's things happening that we do or exist in our daily lives, but we just aren't aware of what they mean. True, true. Like crop I circles. oh crop circles. <laughs> oh, like yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's actually kind of the point. Like there, there is communication happening. We just you know, we're the gorilla. We're just not smart enough to understand what they're saying. Coco. Coco was the, uh, Coco. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will agree with you on that one too, Tristan, because it's almost like, uh, you could almost equate it to like uh, a little kid when they're learning stuff. Like if you give it, if you give a kid like a piece of candy because they did something, 
well, is it because they actually understood or it's like, oh, I'm going to do this and then I get, I get a reward. So that, that is, I don't, I don't know the full Coco story as far as was there a reward for her doing the correct like sentences and the correct things. Um, I do know that her handler did a hundred percent believe that she could speak and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were convinced. I mean, most people are convinced of that, but there is like a opposing side to it where like you can't really prove consciousness in an animal. Mm -hmm. Like it's not really, they couldn't quite figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I just did an interesting point. Well, I think we had brought that up in giant animals or giant creatures where we had talked about elephants where like they cry for the ones that they they lose, yes. like other elephants. Mm-hmm. So like yes. that in itself kind of like, all right, there's a higher level of intelligence here. And even you know, look at dolphins, the United States Navy used used dolphins for like reconnaissance missions like that's that's wild like that that says something so yeah it's also adorable yeah <laughs> oh adorable dolphin yeah talking about elephants i also saw a video where i don't know what country it was in but a baby elephant had fell into like a giant hole it was like a water hole or something and the mama elephant was running around trying to get like human attention there she was running around in the streets swinging at people and she wasn't like attacking anybody but she was just like hey follow me and eventually they followed her and they found like her baby was like in a hole. So like everybody in the town, they were getting, you know, construction equipment to try to dig a hole or like a path for the baby elephant to get out. So it's like the the mother knew baby was a danger. Humans can help me. Let me go get their attention. And she was able to get the baby out. So I thought that was like crazy. I saw a video on Reddit where a dog went shopping for fruit at a market (laughs) all by himself. He had a little basket and he had money in the basket and he walked up to the vendor for some fruit. He he put his paw on the fruit and they gave him the correct amount and he did it all by himself. I don't... That's like saying a crow knows knows stuff. Crows just mimic. (laughs) And I think the same thing with like the dog. Like it's an interesting distinction. It's just like, what are they doing that's just top behavior or what are they doing that like is of their own volition and of their own consciousness. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we getting, we got getting off fa- there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and speaking of elephants, the Travis Walton abduction, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into the movie version of him being abducted. So just real quick recap for Skywalker gets hit with a ball of light. He wakes up, he wakes up in the, now this is the movie. He wakes up in what looks like a, um, I'm not going to, the best way I can describe it is like a coffin. Only one side of the coffin is like a squishy, like rubbery, transparent material. And he has enough space to move around. And it's almost like a stone-like coffin. Um, He has some goo on him and he's, you know, unsure of what's going on. He eventually pokes a hole through this transparent goo. stuff and he opens like tears it all away and then it's like a huge corridor uh type silo thing all completely solid like rock material um and he he i don't know if he stands up or if he kind of leans out but he does something like that to get out of his little capsule thing that he's in his little coffin 
and it's a weird zero gravity. He's floating around. Um, there's a, a rope or something like that, or like a, a cord within there that he was able to grab. And he's kind of like just kind of suspended in this zero gravity tunnel looking thing. He's able to kind of pull himself back in a little bit. And at one end of this, there is a what he he's like looking down and he can see an operating table or like a a set of lights i don't there's an, i don't think there's an operating table in the, in there but there's a set of lights and he goes towards it and this is when the gravity kind of pulls him towards the ground there uh he gets there and surrounding this it's like a cylinder type room there's no square corners but um there is are there are these suits and they look like the gray aliens. Um, he gets kind of freaked out. He pushes one of them because it starts moving. Uh, he goes down. He, like, he kind of falls closer to the ground. And then a set of creatures grabs him by the legs and starts pulling him down this random hallway. The hallway has like lights and, again, looks very almost organic-y with like a mixture of stone wall, but like very weird gravity is going on where he can't do much, but get pulled along by these creatures. They pull him all the way into another room where there is an operating table. They set him on it and they start ripping off all of his clothes. Um, he, he gets held down on the table and then they put what looks like a sheet over him and he's you know really confused he's screaming and everything and the sheet it's really weird uh, the sheet acts as like a vacuum like if you've ever vacuum sealed food or if you've seen that that's essentially what they do to this guy to to him to the table um, oh my gosh yeah Keeping yeah it, fresh okay. <laughs> yeah. make sure that human stays fresh <laughs> So they kind of like vacuum seal him to the table. He's freaking out. He's screaming. And then they take like this black goo type stuff and they put it in his mouth to shut him up. And then they put that like another sheet over his uh, over his head. And um, they do the exact same thing where his head gets suction cupped like to the to the table. And then they cut slits in the his face area so he can see out of one eye they only cut like one for his one eye and then they cut like a nostril and uh, a mouth piece or whatever and then they shove a, a tube down his down his throat so he's not screaming anymore so he's totally suction cup to the to the table and um they have a huge machine that comes down and the machine kind of like retracts like this weird looking claw thing. And then it like it gets smaller and smaller to it. It's like, it's like right next to his face. And then a needle comes out and the needle gets closer and closer to his eye. And then it punctures it. And then as soon as that Ew. happens, yeah, right. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as that happens in the movie, he it like it quick, quick take, you know, like quick flash. And it's, like the, the different part in the movie, but 
that's how the movie got spiced up a little bit from the book. So you can kind of see how, like, again, it the the movie is called Fire in the Sky. Same with the book. Um, so if you actually want to see it, I mean, you can go to YouTube and just type in Fire in the Sky alien abduction scene. You'll see it. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But um, that's how the book and the movie are different. But yeah, you can see how the movie or Paramount really spiced up the the actual abduction or what was going on inside the the ship. And I must say like that version versus the one that he says is probably a little bit more exciting. I mean, visually it was pretty crazy to watch and everything. Um, and it's pretty, pretty scary. So I'm not, I mean, what, what would you guys, what would you think? Would you think his version is worse or the, the movie version? I think both. <laughs> I would say the movie version is <laughs> worse. Like I've, I mean, I've seen laser eye surgery, so I can't imagine an actual needle going into your eye. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Tristan? Um. Well, I mean, it's definitely the movie version's worse, but. After hearing this a few times now, I almost prefer the book version now because, I mean, the movie version, like the first time I uh, heard you tell me about that and kind of watched some of it, it was pretty like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. But after a while, it's just like it, it almost becomes kind of standard abduction horror movie kind of thing. It's almost just like an abduction torture porn type movie or some shit. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, kind of that that runs thin after a while. The, the book version is much more interesting to me now because it's much weirder. Yeah, I I will agree. Like, it does seem like with abduction stories, it's, oh, I was abducted. They did testing on me and like they did, which almost kind of supports what Ro was saying, too, with like, you know, they might like do some testing or they, they, they're not going to help us out, but they might like, you know, study us and everything like that, which kind of supports that. Um, but yeah, looking at his version, I think that's maybe why like no one maybe believed him so much, too, was because. It, I don't know. It's a very weird story. So this doesn't sound like a movie. It can't yeah. be true. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's what Paramount did with uh with his story. Now there's there's two there's two things that I want to kind of close out this whole abduction thing and then we can kind of recap is the first one is the lie detector test. Now when he got back, um, now this is both for the movie and um, the book. So when he got back, um, he really had a fuzzy memory, wasn't sure what happened. Um, the Before he did get back, though, the uh, forest workers all agreed to do a lie detector test. They all Now, they were very reluctant at first because they were just like, no, we didn't kill him. Like, we didn't. Because that was the big thing is like they thought he had been murdered or the townspeople thought he had been murdered by these, his crew. The crew eventually decided, okay, fine, we'll do your lie detector test. So they brought in, uh, the world, like I'm not gonna say the world's, but like one of the country's best lie detector. Um, I don't know what you'd call a lie detector person who studies that or does that for a living, but expert in lie detectors brought him in. They all were asked the exact same questions. Now, everyone passed except for one. I can't remember if it was he failed or it was undetermined, 
but one it was the youngest worker they they weren't sure with his um with his lie detector you know results so they he gets back travis says exactly what happened it it aligns with what they had said during the lie detector thing so the things were starting to line up and uh, they got a lot of publicity about this. They actually got awarded, I think like $5,000 from like some UFO research study thing. And um, later, I think it was, I can't remember how long, but the one whose results were undetermined, he later took the lie detector test again and he actually passed this time. So everyone's stories aligned. Everything was good. And for a while, it was the most credible alien abduction story there was. Now, when things, as years went on, things started to kind of come to light. Um, I'm going to bring up two of those. And the first one is, is that Travis's brother and his mother were huge into aliens and UFOs. So words started getting out that they had planned this entire thing and Travis was actually at his brother's house for those five days or whatever, just hiding out while they fabricated this story and they just got all the crew workers to go along with it. Um, I don't know how much of that I actually believe because I know it's not easy to pass a a polygraph test. Um, so to get six people to pass it flying colors, oh, I guess there was that one that was undetermined, but to come up with a story and everyone pass, I think it would be pretty difficult for that. But that is one of the conspiracies around it was that their family was big into the UFO phenomena. So there was that piece. Um, and then I think it was in the 2000s, one of the forest workers actually came out and said that the, the story really was fabricated and that, his, that Travis actually was at his brother's place and they just made the whole thing up. Now that interview, there's an interview with the forest worker saying that I can't remember where it is, but I do remember coming across it. I and I do remember there's an actual interview of him saying that. So those are the two big kind of conspiracies around the uh, Travis Walton experience. And again, kind of like we had talked about, it's a very odd story. Um, just like everything that had happened, the fact that he was gone for five days and then he reappeared. Um, so in a nutshell, that is the Travis Walton abduction story. Um, what are you guys' thoughts and everything like that? Is like especially with like the lie detector thing and then also like the conspiracies surrounding it. Oh, um, he made it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think he made it up? Yeah, I've not changed my opinion on that. I think he yes. staged the whole thing, and I think that's why his friends passed it, is because he I think he did an elaborate setup of something. Because mm -hmm. he just seems like that type of dude. And he strikes me as like a L. Ron Hubbard-esque kind of dude where he was just kind of <laughs> trying to make it. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, he's really into aliens and all that kind of crap. And I think he just wanted to make a big show for himself. Because also, it's it's worth noting, he is worth $7 million. So 
that oh. can't be ignored. He capitalized like a motherfucker on this whole thing. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that was the whole point. And if you can stage it and get the six truck workers or whatever to believe it happened, that's all you got to do is make them believe that something crazy happened in the woods. As long as you can do that, then all the light detector tests are going to be fine. Cause I'm pretty sure he's a sociopath, so he could easily pass one himself. Well, I, th- I mean, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I mean, didn't he appear on uh, the moment of truth and he yes. was asked whether he was abducted on November 5th he failed, and right? he, yes, he replied yes. And he failed. Yep. So I don't know. Polygraphy is, I mean, polygraph is not really a reliable thing. I mean, there are a lot of ways, I guess, to countermeasure it. And also, I guess, the power of uh, deception, like Tristan said, like he must have played an elaborate game. Power of deception or self-deception is strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, Like there's, he was on that TV show and I, like what you were saying, Tristan, he's worth $7 million. And I think that's why, um, later like in the 2000s why the thing started to crack and how because he is the one that like he is the one that is noticed for this story when there are six other people that were involved in this and he is worth seven million dollars so yes he is the one that capitalized and if he promised or if he was like hey you guys do this and we can all be like rich and famous off this and then no one profits off it except for him well, yeah, I can understand why people or why the people that were in on it would be mad and be like, you know what? No, this was all a setup. He's lying. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just what I think is the most likely is that he is full of crap. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how much of the story I actually believe. Again, it's, we, we bring it up all the time or I say it all the time. It's, I don't want to discredit him and everything, but it is a, his version of the story and everything that happened. It's very weird. Uh, but I, I guess aliens are weird, you know, like, I guess like what he did see. And like, maybe if we were to all see alien technology and the things that like go on, like you, no one would believe us, but I don't know. I, I want to believe I'm like, you know, the X-Files, I want to believe, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, Alex, you want to believe this and you do not want to believe in the chapstick conspiracy. <laughs> no, we're not getting into chapstick again. No. <laughs> you missed it, Tristan. All right, Tristan. Okay. All right. Time out. Time out. Like, we'll, we'll get right back into this. Tristan, do you believe that chapstick makes your lips more chapped? Oh, yeah. I remember that conversation. No, yeah. no, 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 no. What? I listened through the conversation. Okay. 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 Do you believe it? Um, I'm sure at least to an extent, I'm sure some do that. Um, lotion does the same thing. Like if you actually use lotion, it kills like the top layer of your skin and it dries exactly. you out more. Yeah. <sighs> Cosmetic industries after you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's short solutions to long-term problems. It's one of those True. kinds of things. Like if you have chronically dry lips and you use chapstick, it's not going to help you long-term, but it'll make them more, you know, Juicy in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> juicy. juicy. <laughs> Here on that's effing weird. We like to make everyone's lips more juicy. 
<laughs> God, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> Is that not the right way to describe that? <laughs> I I I don't hydrated. know. Hydrated, yeah, hydrated. hydrated. <laughs> Less chat, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I'm chat. sticking with mine. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> What do you think, Leo? Do you, do you believe them? Do you not believe them? Oh, yeah. I believe there's fish and chapstick, yeah. No, no, <laughs> not that. No, nah, I don't know. Walton. His story, his story is, is a bit off the wall because, you know, most of the time, because when I was reading into alien abductions and UFOs, sightings and stuff like that, like, yeah, it was big. And people would tell their story like, oh, yeah, I saw this UFO in the sky and, and that was that. So I think he he really did take something and made it into 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 something. He took nothing and made it into something, basically. You know, and I mean, there's a possibility that they all did, in fact, see something. Maybe he went off and some freak accident happened to him, and so he was in, like, a coma for a few days, and that was maybe his, like, feverish dream. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I don't think he was picked up by aliens and they were trying to probe him or whatever. That's actually kind of interesting that, like, he was in a coma or he was knocked out for a couple of days. Yeah, because, I mean, you said it was, like, the middle of the night. It's foresty area, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there could be anything out there. Maybe there's just, like, fuck this, we're getting out of here, because maybe they saw that, <laughs> and then animals out, howl, you know, howling or whatever, because we can't really confirm or deny what else was out there with them. So maybe they're like, we got to get out of here. You know, like, he decided to leave. We don't know where he's at. <laughs> we're going. Mm -hmm. You and I talked about that before, Alex, because... um. Like, wouldn't there be physical evidence, like, if he was stuck out there for four days? Like, that, if you're in a coma for four days in the woods, you're going to look a little different coming out. I I was actually just going to bring that up, too. I don't think he... I want to say he did get checked out at, like, a doctor or, like, at a doctor's, you know, maybe not hospital, but I, I would... I, what's that? He lost 10 pounds as per what I read. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, to lose 10 pounds in what? Five days. Five Jesus. days. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you really tried to play it off, well, I mean, you could just be eating salad and drinking water, you know, to like lose that ah, 10 pounds though. Ugh. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awful. Yeah. I, I would say maybe the best way to like, you know, see like actually, Physically, so how do they measure that he lost ten pounds. I didn't think about it. Did they like measure him before he went up there? When was the last time he got his weight check before that? He could be making that up. That's true. Probably, I mean, but then I think he was taken to a hypnotherapist to unlock the memories of his abduction. So I guess they might have done a full body checkup before all that. Just saying, quite possible. Well, or his last checkup, he could have been, you know, one fifty. And then after the abduction, it could have been like six months to eight months later, he was yeah. 140. And that would have given him, what, eight months to lose 10 pounds, which is 100% doable. So yeah. I, I think he prepped that. I think he did. the weight yeah. thing was probably a prepped thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, that would be one of the biggest things to actually help out in this case is that physical evidence, that, that doctor checkup uh where they actually did like a full body, you know, physical with him making sure his he's not story lost went. any organs. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's no <laughs> alien baby inside him or anything like that. <laughs> but like cuz and that's the one thing is that had the abduction been more like 
the movie version, I think that physical evidence would be more prevalent. Whereas the actual version that he says, there's nothing really that they did to him or they didn't like, you know, poke at him or do anything where that evidence is going to be there. You know what I mean? See, I, I think Alex, that is why his story, I think caught on that much because it didn't follow the template of the usual alien abductions of, you know, being abducted and being poked and prodded at. So that's true. That might be one of the reasons why people were interested to know what actually happened. If not the usual, you know, um, being experimented on like a lab rat. <laughs> that's, that's probably why he came up with the story the way he did. I mean, yes. let's, just, let's just approach it from a perspective of fiction for a minute. Um, if you look at it like he wrote it, like it was fiction, that's a smart way to do it. Because as you'd said, Alex, like the UFO thing had died out. So like the the template and the story had all been kind of like rinsed and repeated. And this was like his version of a reboot. <laughs> so he had to make yeah. like a, a weird story that didn't follow the convention. And the fact that his brother and his mom were big into UFOs, they mm-hmm. kind of helped him out with like, all right, hey, this is, we kind of need to make it a little bit different, more interesting, you know, like, because usually abductions, you know, you hear about it and people are gone, what, for a night? Or like they imagine that they were like sleeping in their bed and then they wake up the same night. He was gone for five days. Like that was unheard of. So yeah, that yep. part's intense. That That's yes. intense. But you you think, too, that, like, someone would have seen him or, like, I don't know. I just think, like, because they went. Not if he staged it with his brother. I really think that if it was, like, um, if if, if he staged that. The only only thing that would be a risk there is if they actually did come to help him, which kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about the guy in the truck that drove away. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, maybe, maybe he was the only one of the six or whatever that were in on it or something like that. That's Um, true. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that'd be the only kind of difficult part, but I mean, it wouldn't be much for his brother to pick him up and then they're in the middle of nowhere. If they have any kind of history of those woods, they could just, you know, go there, go hang out in a cabin for five days. And, but that's the thing is that like, they, like the, there were search teams all over in those woods. Now, like that's, that's why I don't think like he was just like chilling up there, like hiding. I I, like, if he was going to be hiding anywhere, I do think it would be, at somebody's house or something like that, which again, probably I don't know if there was ever any search warrants for everyone's property or where they lived to like find maybe like, all right, was there a murder tool or something like that? And they're checking houses because if that happened too, that would kind of help Travis's case where it's like, okay, well they looked through everyone's houses. He wasn't there unless there was like a secret, like, Ca- like cabinet that he was hiding in or something like that. I don't know. What if he was hiding moves. in the jungle or the forest? I don't see, I don't think he How would How dense be. was it? It depends on that. Well, well, Arizona, so, so it's... Um, I mean... It... Okay, so in the southern United States, there it's not there's not like a huge forest like there is up north where you're thinking like tree after tree after tree, but it does look like snowflake, Arizona. There are patches. I mean, shit, he was a forest worker. He was cutting down trees. So I don't know the exact area that he was, you know what? Maybe, maybe they have it. Let's see here. Okay. So 
there is a picture where it, it says the 40th anniversary. You know, I'll just I'll drop it in the chat. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't it it wouldn't make sense if we see the forests today because of the deforestation problem. But who knows how it was back in 1975? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the images and Travis Walton now looks really sketchy, man. Sorry. <laughs> I told you, he's a shady ass motherfucker. Like I half of my opinion on him is based purely on how he looks. And I know that's terrible, but it's true. All right. So I I put a photo in the um so I that apparently is the abduction site or close to it. So you can kind of see that like it's not like super dense. So I don't know how he could like stay hidden in there while there's search dogs and scent dogs going all over the place in there. Yeah, I still think it's much more likely he probably stayed with his brother. I mean, what reason would they have to search his brother's house? Like Yeah, there exactly. was a brother-in-law as well. So I I just don't think they'd be focused on searching. They'd probably be much more focused on the guys uh he was working with than like his family because his family being involved in that really wouldn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know how they could get like a warrant to search it. Um, and I doubt they'd even really ask. True. True. And the fact that like it was only five days, maybe like had it been like two or three weeks, then they might've started like searching people's homes and, you know, like really doing some digging, but he was only gone for five days. So you think those search teams are going to spend like the first three days looking in like that spot before they go venturing anywhere else so yeah and also you know national forest like that whole area i was kind of looking at it's pretty there's not a lot of trees sure but like it's very spread out between like towns and play like there's a lot of room so actually trying to search something like that would be it's almost impossible that's one of those things like if you get lost in the woods especially out like in once you get kind of closer to the rockies and stuff like that which is just right outside of it, you can just disappear. True. True. And th- the thing is too, is like he's, he had been working up there. So could it have been possible where him and his brother or like him and whoever created or dug a hole in the ground, like a covering, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of like, maybe they did do that, but you think they would have maybe found something because scent dogs, I know scent dogs, they're good at what they do. So I don't that know. That's true. I I just don't think that he was out there in the woods. I think again he was at his brother's place or someone's place. I agree. I think he went. I don't think he stayed the five days in the woods. I no. think he went somewhere. Yeah. Now looking at the woods, I agree as well. Well, that's that's the Travis Walton uh, incident, abduction, uh, fire in the sky. Final thoughts. What, what do you guys think? Believable? Not believable? Well, what are you guys' thoughts? I think I've made myself clear. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I don't believe it as well. If you enjoyed what you just listened to, hit us up on all your favorite social media pages, such as Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, to see a full list of what we have going on, the latest content, where we have the most up-to-date information of our shows that we have going and what you can look forward to in our future episodes. And remember, we aren't looking for normal. We want stuff. That's effing weird.
subjected to experiments. I mean I wouldn't it it would make sense if we see the forests today because of the deforestation problem but who knows how it was back in 1975 yeah yeah you know 